Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Yo, what's up? Um, hey, welcome to church. I'm Bren. Um, I'm like always... Okay, thanks. Um, all right, that's enough. Get out of here. Um, side note, I'm super blown away by our like, creative team. Um, our creative team always needs more help. It doesn't look like it, um, but they do an incredible job, and I'm super thankful for them, as well as, uh, again, it was Kids Takeover Sunday, so this morning is like the cutest Sunday of the year. Uh, shout out to our security guard, Chris. Chris, where to go this morning? He, uh, he had a little buddy this morning uh, named Caleb, and they suited him in like a security shirt, and uh, we gave him a baton and a taser. I'm just kidding. Um, but we actually like, <laughs> no tasers here. I don't think so. Right, Kate? Not in the budget for this year? All right. Um, but they had like little walkie-talkies, and it was, it was a really cute Sunday to be here. Um, but welcome. Welcome to week two of our series on Ruth. Um, it's called An Unexpected Love Story. And Andy kind of kicked us off last week in introducing about Moab and Bethlehem and kind of what was going on. Um, but as much as it is, as he kind of talked about the story about a relationship between Boaz and Ruth, which is beautiful and so amazing, what my focus for tonight is, is I kind of want to be talking more so about the providence of God and what that means and what that kind of looks like. So if you're like me, and I still have a hard time memorizing lyrics off of like, the screen and stuff. Like, I actually have to, like, I'll be having my eyes closed for worship. I'm like, okay, Providence. And then I'm like, well, I don't even know. I'm singing Providence. I don't even know what that means. If you know what that means, good on you. You're smarter than me, okay? Congratulations. Um, But I I had to look that up. For for those of you who don't know, uh, Providence means this. It's divine, divine guidance or care coming from God. And we're going to be talking about that in the story of Ruth and kind of how that came to be in her story. Um, The book of Ruth, it doesn't have necessarily these big miracles. There's no splitting of any big red seas. There's no walking on water. There's no water into wine. But God continues to show his works in the big ways and in the little ways and in how he shows his providence and relationship through uh, Ruth and Boaz. It's so beautiful to see that not only is God in our lives, we're just waiting for God to split open those giant oceans, but he's actually working in the day to day. No matter how big, no matter how small, a move of God is still a move of God, amen? All right, let's get into it. We got a recap from last week. So chapter one, here we go. I'm gonna speed run this, kind of. So there's a family of four and they lived in Bethlehem. There was a famine in Bethlehem. And so the father of the family moved his family over to Moab. But Moab was this place where God had told his people not to go because it was full of sin. It was like, it was like just straight up evil, okay? Like uh, they, they worshiped these, these false gods. They sacrificed children, like really, really bad stuff. Like worst of the worst kind of place to be. Um, and God even considered it. And one of the ways he said is it's, it's actually his wash basin, basin for his feet. 
So, I mean, not an ideal place to be. So the dad, dad decides to move to Moab because of the famine. The father and his two sons actually ended up passing away. However, the two sons, while in Moab, married two women. So they left two widows. So we're left with Naomi, one of the widows, and Ruth. And at this time, when all this chaos is going on, and they're in Moab, and they're not really where they're supposed to be, and they don't really know what to do, one of, one of the, the sister-in-law of Ruth decides to stay in Moab with her people. But Ruth, she decides to follow Naomi and go back to Bethlehem, to back to where God has called her. And Ruth says this in uh, verse one, verse six, chapter 1, verse 16. Where you go, I'll go, and where you stay, I'll stay. If you've been in the church for a while, where you go, I'll go. It's, it's a banger, okay? It's a classic. Um, <laughs> and then she continues to say, your people will be with my people and your God, my God. And she's saying that to Naomi. So when we look at Ruth, she was in this place where she didn't want to be this life full of sin, left, right, and center, no matter where she looked, kind of stuck, really. And then she chooses to trust in Naomi. She chooses the God of Israel. She chooses Bethlehem. And then at the end of chapter one, we still find them, they're hopeless, they're homeless, and they're hurting. And that's where it leaves off. And no offense to Andy, I love him, he's so wise, he's so smart. But this rom-com isn't really looking like a com at all. Um, it's kind of looking more like a lay miserable, except without the lay, because they're just straight up miserable. Um, <laughs> side note, I've never seen that movie, um, but I, I just like, I saw this one clip of Anne Hathaway crying a lot and like, you can't do the princess of Genovia that bad, okay? <laughs> Look out for your girl. If you don't know what that's about, watch the Princess Diary. Come on, it's, it's, it's good stuff. But seriously, when we leave off in this chapter, all this brokenness, all this sadness is happening. And we're trying to talk about the providence of God and we know this, maybe this Boaz guy's gonna show up, but where and when? And so often I feel like we can find ourselves lost in certain places, looking in Moab, left and right and center, and being stuck with these sinful options. And we're like, oh, we're gonna find it over here, maybe not. We're gonna find it over here, maybe not. And even we're praying, but we're still finding ourselves stuck in Moab. But she actually chose to turn, to face Bethlehem and walk there. Andy also mentioned this thing, which I actually was really sweet, and it talked about how chapter one for him in his Bible actually quite literally ends at the bottom of the page, and he had to turn it over as so, to get to chapter two. And the beautiful kind of imagery of that is there's quite literally an end there and a turning of a brand new page, a brand new opportunity. This darkness that had happened, this brokenness that, that had happened, there's now a new blank page ready for the story that God's gonna put before them. And we honestly believe here at Coastline Church, I honestly believe that for some of us in this room, we feel like we've been stuck in Moab and it's time to turn that page. It's time to step into that new chapter. So let's dive in. Yeah, it's definitely not a rom-com, I'm telling you. So, in verse one, chapter two, verse one, it says this. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech. I practiced that a lot last night whose name was Boaz. 
So last week, uh, Pastor Andy actually took us through um, how we learned that names back then actually had a lot more meaning to them, like just straight up. Uh, whereas the two husbands who passed away, unfortunately, their names were quite literally uh, sick and tired. Womp womp, like kind of setting them up for failure here. But, but we're introduced to this man of standing in chapter two, and his name is Boaz, meaning what? Meaning strong man, okay? Like this guy's just destined for glory, all right? And it's like, he's not like a trend up gym bro with a personality of a chicken nugget, okay? He's not. He, he's not just strong on the outside. He's not just tossing photos on Instagram, but he's a man of character. He's got strength inside and outside, a man of integrity, a man of wealth, a man of propriety. And maybe he has a pretty good bench too, it's fine, whatever. But it says this clearly, a man of standing, a man who's ready to step in whenever needed. And, and there's, this, this, there's, there's two MOSs here. You can either be a man of standing or you can be a man of sitting. And uh, okay, so Andy talks this, this way about like, Ladies, this is what you want to look for. So this is kind of like what I would say to my sister. She's engaged, but like if she was still single looking. Ladies, sis, Chloe, what's up, Chloe? Um, <laughs> you don't want a man of sitting. You don't want a guy who's just going to be sitting at home, complacent with just being in a life of sin and just sitting there and not doing anything about it. You actually want a man of standing who's going to go out of his way who's gonna work really hard. And when you're on Christian Mingle, and if it says man of standing, you swipe right. Do you swipe on Christian Mingle? I don't know. But, all I'd say, Boaz is a pretty good dude. He's got the name for it, he's got a lot lined up. He's a man of standing, love to see it. So let's keep going. In verse two, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind. Anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Nice. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So Ruth went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. I'm going to pause there for a second. One thing I want to take note of, it says Ruth the Moabite again. And I think what's significant about this is she, came, she was from Moab, and she's come to Bethlehem. She's, she's gone all that way, but she's still seen and known as an outsider. She's still seen and known as that sinful life. And she's coming to this new place trying to make a name for herself and trying to glean. So glean, what is to glean? I'm, I'm just like a big dictionary guy these days. Like, it's just going to be beside my night table. But to glean, we actually see it in Leviticus 19. It's a commandment from God to the Israelites. So it, when it was time to harvest, when people were harvesting and stuff like that, whatever they happened to miss, whatever little apple, whatever, what they harvest back then? Squash? Whatever they happened to miss there would be people behind them in need. So those, the homeless, the widowed, the orphaned, which was actually kind of cool because like they didn't have no soup kitchens back then. They didn't have no mustard seeds or food banks, but it was a, a cool thing that God placed into this culture where as they were harvesting and stuff and whatever was left over that they could pick up for free and take home when, when needed. So Ruth was gleaning. She's going out into the fields. In verse three, it says, she went out to gather, gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. So God's kind of tossing us a little, hey, 
check this out. Like you, you, see, you see what's about to happen here? When it says, as it happened. And so often in our lives, I think like, when Moses split the Red Sea, it just says like, God told him to grab his staff, toss his hands in the air, and went, and a big wind from the east came in. But in this way, in, in talking about providence, it just so happens that Ruth was in the same field as Boaz. It's a, it's a little bit of insight into what's to happen and what's to come. And it's so beautiful to see that in this way, God's doing a work. He, he's doing his, having his, his, his blessing of a hand in Ruth's life in this little way. And it's still such a move of God in her life. Again, providence of God, when God uses his natural circumstances to bring about his supernatural plans. I feel like as Christians, we were walking through our lives and we've heard about all these big stories in the Bible and we're looking for those split seeds in our lives. We're looking for that breakthrough. We're looking for that walking on water. But so much of the work that God's actually doing is in the everyday life. Something that actually really struck me uh, just personally is um, being a youth pastor, you don't know if you're getting through to kids. Like, they always got like one, maybe two AirPods in, and you ask them a question, and they're like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what God, what's God teaching you right now? Huh? Yeah, he's, he's good. He's good. Yeah, John 3.16. Like, thank you. Yes, I'm glad you know that one. And so I'm always like, oh, man, I need to be doing better. I need to be teaching them more uh, apologetics. I need to be diving deeper into the Bible, into the Word. And there was a couple nights ago at First Wednesday, and this, first, this front row was just full of youth students. And it was so beautiful to see each and every single one of them worshiping God with a love, with a passion. Nope, no AirPods in. But God just said to me in that moment, he's like, don't you see what I'm doing? As much as you can be teaching, as much as you can be working hard, we are limited as people. But we have to trust and we have to know that God's doing a work in the seen and unseen. And through time and time again, his providence, his faithfulness will shine through. So again, this book isn't a big action story. It's actually mostly dialogue. It's everyday life. And that's where God wants to be and where he's going to show up in yours. In Romans 8.28, it actually says this. And we know that in all things, God works for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Meaning, pretty much, in all things, God works for our good. Not just for my good, not just for Cindy's good or Josh's good, but for each of us individually. He's working in the littlest of ways. Okay, but here comes the rom-com part, okay? Here comes the plot twist. This is when everything went from lay miserable to lay awesome. Um, I didn't do good in French in high school, okay? But as it just so happened, she came across a man named Boaz, a strong, a man of standing, a humble, a smart individual. And why did it just so happen? If we look back in chapter one, actually, there's a point in time where Naomi prays for Ruth and she says this exactly. May the Lord show you kindness. May the Lord bring you a husband. That's literally what Naomi said just a couple verses ago. And here comes, just so happens, Boaz. That just goes to show us that when, when you pray, God listens, he cares. And if there's anything that I've continued to learn as, as walking in my faith and growing in a relationship with God, 
is that I promise you he will show up. I don't know when, I don't know how exactly, but I can promise you he will. Two points I wanna make on that is, there's one story in particular um, where there's a, there's a blind man sitting on the side of the street. I can't remember his name for the life of me right now. And all of a sudden, Jesus is walking by in this big crowd. And he calls out to Jesus. And he's like, Jesus! And the crowd actually says, be quiet, like, shut your mouth. Don't talk to him, it's Jesus, come on. And he's holding on to this cloak. And again, he cries out to Jesus. And Jesus hears him the second time and he says, come to me. So the blind man actually, it says in this verse, releases everything that he has, basically his coat, and walks to Jesus. He walks up to Jesus and Jesus says, my child, like, what can I do for you? And in that moment, I'm like, if I was the blind man, I'd be like, dude, really? Like, come on. Don't you, don't you know, like, you're the all-knowing, all-loving God? Come on. Like, you, you know what's going on here. But I think what that verse shows to me so much, not only that do we have to let go of our understanding of what we have, but in going to Jesus, we have to be just straight up on, on what you're asking for. It's so great to be praying for blessing in our lives and to see fruitfulness, but where do you want to see it? Be actually accurate with names of people where you want to see God moving in those certain relationships, in your school, in your workplaces, on your sports teams, wherever it may be. I've learned that you have to be specific. And on top of that, God will show up. So in verse four, while she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. I feel like we should make that a thing here. I'm gonna tell our greeters every time they see you, the Lord be with you. And guess what? You gotta respond with, the Lord bless you. If you don't say that, we just gotta kick you out, okay? We'll, we'll work on it with the security team. No tasers though, I promise, maybe. But when we actually look at this, Boaz's first, first intention is actually to say, Lord bless you, God bless you. The first thing that he brings up is, God, may the Lord bless you, to Ruth. Boaz is positive, he's kind, he's loving, he's caring. And the thing that I love about Boaz is he wasn't a priest. He put God first in his life, in his ministry, but he wasn't a priest. He wasn't a pastor, he wasn't a prophet. But ministry, his work in the missions field, it shows us that we don't have to be in full-time ministry to be in full-time ministry. And I try to say that as much as I can because you guys are extensions of Jesus, of, of the church, of, of his love, of his truth. And you've been called to all these different areas and these diverse ways and diverse passions. And it's so beautiful to see the way that God can be moving, not only here in this place, but how far it can extend by your guys' heart, by your guys' yes to what he has called you to. But while serving God, Boaz just so happened to notice, just so happened to notice Ruth. Here's the thing with Ruth. At the time, if she was to create a dating profile, it wasn't kind of ideal at the time for her. The thing is, Moab, it wasn't known as a good place. So location one, red flag, tough. Uh, she used to worship Chemosh. I think I'm saying that almost right. Doesn't matter, it's not a real God. Um, <laughs> red flag number two. And she's coming broken, hurting, all this going on. Probably hasn't showered in a while. Red flag number three. 
but the love and the care and the nurture that's in Boaz's heart towards her. He sees past all the initial red flags, but he actually sees the yes, that she came from Moab to Bethlehem. He sees the intentionality of the need in her coming and gleaning from the fields. He sees her hard work and dedication for picking up food for her family. He sees past all of these maybe bad labels at the time, but he actually knows that there's so much greater potential for her. He sees the beauty in her actions and in her heart. And I think like sometimes we can be Ruth. We're so quick to let our past mistakes, our past hurts define us. We're often so worried about who we are and what we are that we often actually forget whose we are. I think we need to be reminded so often that there's a God who created you, who loves you, who has a plan for you in the big things and in the small things. And in fact, that there's newness in Christ. He sees you as precious, as good, and able to do great things. And something to note on that is, don't let your past talk you out of, the, of God's plan for your future. Don't let your past talk you out of God's plan for your future. Ruth didn't, and look where it brought it to. So in verse five, then Boaz asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She had been hard at work ever since. So again, Boaz realizes these qualities he sees in Ruth. She's faithful to God. She's loyal to her family. She's hardworking and she honors God morally. In verse eight, it goes on to say this. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter. Okay, guys, time out. I don't think that's the line, all right? Hey, listen, my daughter. See ya, next, okay? That was, this was a different time, all right? Um, come on. But he says, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. I have warned the young man not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to water they have drawn from the well. So immediately, Boaz is showing her intentionality in this relationship. He's like, I want to protect you. I don't, don't be going to any other fields. I want, I want you at this field. I want, take, take all the stuff that you need, okay? We'll go get some water. I'll protect you. Like, if anybody comes up and saying, my daughter too, I'll just pop them in the face, okay? Like, Boaz, man of standing, big and strong. And then in verse 12, he proceeds to pray for Ruth, which is kind of wild. Like, my daughter, here's all this super cool stuff. Let me just pray for you. Like, this isn't even a first date. This is a first meeting. Like, like this is some sort of meet cute. Uh, thanks, Jesus. God, thanks, God, for this meet cute. Um, it says this in verse 12. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have taken refuge. So some things that now maybe Ruth is starting to notice about Boaz. He honors her. He opens doors to opportunities. He protects her. He protects her heart. He protects her physically. He provides for her, wanting to give her the best of the best. And he prays for her. And 
Keep going in verse 14, it says this. At mealtime, Boaz said this to her. Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. First off, bread and wine vinegar, bougie. This guy's pulling out all the stops. But really, if we look at this even deeper, off this first meeting where they just so happened to run into each other, where they just so happened to be in the same field, they just so happened to connect so well, Boaz continues to invite her in, into his life, into, into his faith, into, into his trust, to take care of her, to try and bless her, to do what he can. I think next week they're going to be talking about a little bit more about the relationship of Ruth and Boaz. Right, Cindy? Something like that. So I'll leave the rest there. But something I really want to focus on is looking back really quick. Ruth was a Moabite. She was living in a life of sin. She was against God. But then Ruth came to Bethlehem, which is great. She came empty-handed, but she came hurt. She came burdened. But something so great is that Everything good that we have, that we can learn from the story, is gleaned from God's goodness. Boaz blessed Ruth more than she had expected. God blesses us more than we deserve. By his grace, by his power, and through his peace. And Boaz invited Ruth to the table. Jesus invites us to his. If you've been in in chapter one. If you've been stuck in Moab, I think it's so often that we can even find our, our way, like we'll be in Moab, living a life of sin, maybe stuck in a place that we don't want to. We can even turn around, we'll face Bethlehem, we'll start taking those steps. But all of a sudden you trip, you fumble, you fall down a hill, and then somehow you end up back in Moab. It actually says, I looked it up, that Moab to Bethlehem was 50 miles. That's not just like one little step. You can't just hop on a sky train over there. But it was through dedication, through hard work, that she got out of this life of sin that she was able to turn from it and turn to the goodness that God had intended for her. He was providing for her in the littlest of ways to the biggest of ways to, as to when she met Boaz. She didn't know what was coming. When she was stuck in that life of sin, when she was stuck in that place of hurting and despair, of loss, of her family members, of her loved ones. I'm sure she tried to spend time looking for Boaz even in Moab. And I feel like we can do the same thing. We find ourselves stuck in Moab, stuck in these lives of sin, stuck in these bad habits, and at the same time are praying to God, like, God, where are you? God, why aren't you showing up in this area? God, I'm being specific, why aren't you showing up? But this whole time we're looking in Moab in this life of sin. But what would it look like if we actually took a note from Ruth and turn toward Bethlehem. What would it look like to actually take that first step and then another step and then another step and then another step? Not only are we gonna glean from God's goodness when we get to Bethlehem, but God's gonna bless you in ways that you didn't even know possible. And I wanna ask you the honest question, what's the Boaz that you're looking for in your life? Is it the certain job? Is it, is, it, is it a spouse? Is it kids in the future? Would you actually ask God what he has intended for you into that next step? Would you invite him into your next step? 
We were saying that it's so easy to get stuck in the hurting, in the addiction, in the loss, in the hopelessness. But I hope you know that here at Coastline, you're not in it alone. This is why we push small groups and, and things like freedom. But there's a community around you, around you that loves you, that cares about you. And the staff here and myself, we believe that God's called you to great things. No matter what you may feel that you have labeled yourself with, no matter what mistakes you feel like you're still holding on to, I hope you know that there's freedom in the work of the cross that Christ did, that he overcame death for each and every single one of you, and that there is an incredible Boaz waiting for you. But would you just take that first step to Bethlehem? And for some of you, you're already in Bethlehem. You already got a Boaz. You're living it up. That's great. That's awesome. But would you actually look for those people that are gleaning behind? Would you actually maybe even offer some of what you have? Would you invite them in? Would you bring them to church? Would you invite them to a Bible study? Would you invite them for some really bougie dinner? <laughs> but I think there's a Boaz waiting for us in a lot of ways in Bethlehem. And it's not just gonna be one step there. It's hard work, it's dedication. It's loving your neighbor, it's loving your God, it's continuing to pursue him day in and day out. And although it's not gonna show up all of a sudden like splitting of the Red Sea, but God is moving in the biggest and the smallest of ways. And it's in the most beautiful ways in the everyday life that he is with you. So can, I, can you guys pray with me tonight? I'll invite Josh back up. God, I thank you. I thank you for how much you love each and every single person in this place. Jesus, I pray right now that there would just be a release a release from the sinful life, a release from a bad habit, a release from a past mistake or a label that they've been holding on to. That God, I pray that you would actually allow ourselves to set our gaze towards Bethlehem, set our gaze towards you, towards what you have for us. Jesus, I pray that we would be able to walk in step, in step, by side with one another, knowing that you are at the forefront, that God, that you are with us. God, I thank you for the blessings that you have ahead. I thank you for the grace and the love and the power that we're already gleaning from you. And Lord, I thank you for the blessings that are to come. Jesus, for those who still feel stuck, Lord, would there be breakthrough? Would they be able to turn the page? Would they be able to start a new chapter, not just tomorrow, but God, tonight? Lord, would we make decisions that lead us to you, that lead us to Bethlehem, that lead us to the Boaz that we're looking for? And Jesus, right now, I thank you for the callings that you've placed on lives. God, I thank you for the people that we're gonna help, for the names that you're putting on hearts right in this moment. Jesus, would we continue to have our gaze transfixed on you, on what you have for us. And Lord, we thank you for your providence. And Jesus, when you do show up, would we celebrate not just alone, but God, as a community, as a church, as a body of Christ. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for who you are, for the breakthrough that's gonna happen in your name, and for the providence that we continue to see day in and day out. We love you, Lord. And everyone said, amen.